Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you possible. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my live monthly training. On October 16th, I'm going to be talking all about the power and the how of routines. Now, to register, just click the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. On the show today, Lynn Whitbeck. She is the CEO and founder of Petite to Queen. We're going to talk about getting unstuck. Are you feeling stuck here in September 2020? Well, Lynn's got an incredible list of insights that'll help you get unstuck Here's my conversation with Lynn Whitbeck. Lynn, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here, too, because we're <laughs> going to be talking about getting unstuck, which as we continue to navigate through this zombie apocalypse global pandemic, um, a lot of people are stuck and we need to figure out a way how to get unstuck. But before we get into giving people suggestions on how to get unstuck, who in the world are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, well, I'm Lynn Whitbeck. I'm the founder and CEO of Petite Queen, and we help the world by providing sales and leadership training programs to achieve more faster. And uh, that's who I am. And I've been, you know, out in the world, I, you know, climbed the sales ladder into executive roles, including in all the way to the C-suite. Woo <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I had a turning point in my personal life. Um, I decided to make a change and that was, uh, forming my own company and, you know, having that opportunity to give back and uh, through helping people with a lot of a great one place where they could go to get advice on a wide variety of topics from for life at work and in sales. And I truly believe everyone, everyone should have sales training because it's leadership training. Mm -hmm. And of course, then that's what we do. Um, to make money, <laughs> to keep the lights on, um, we provide B2B sales training and leadership programs. And of course, we're all in sales. We just don't call ourselves sales. Uh, I think probably the best salespeople in the world are children. They know how to pull it, pull our buttons, push our buttons, yank on our arms. And when I first, when someone first told me that, I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, kids are, they're, they're unashamed. They're bold. They'll say, I want that. I want it. And they won't give up until they get it. Whereas we become older. We we become timid. We're like, I don't want to ask for the sale. I but kids, if we could channel our young kids and just be bold, we'd probably all be millionaires, if not billionaires. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, of course, you you always have to ask for a sale. But as we get older, there are other things that really come into play. Building the relationships, building that trust and credibility. And with those children, you know, they have that. They're usually like directly connected to you in some way. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, they can, they certainly channel that uh, uh, 
Tom Hopkins. I want it. I got to have it. <laughs> I want it. I need it. I got to have it. Right. Yes. Um, so. And I remember many years ago, I'm 55. So I remember many, many years ago when I was a salesman as a child and I, I, I used to like rationalize, you know, I remember I wanted whatever the toy was and I would rationalize, well, Bobby's got it and he has a lot of fun with it and he has a lot of friends. I would do all this justification to convince my parents and my parents were wise and like, well, we'll go play with Jimmy's. Like, no, I want my own. It's just amazing <laughs> how my parents could just shoot me down with one, one statement. I worked so hard to justify getting that toy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can. And um, certainly uh, in sales, one of the ways that you can, I don't want to say make noise, but by effectively following up and giving value. Um, it, it's just astounding how many salespeople only follow up once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and then who failed to follow up after a second time. Yep. If you change nothing else, change that. And I don't mean following up with the lame email or voicemail or um, you know, LinkedIn message. I'm just checking in. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I get those all the time. And what I've been trying to do is, uh, I, I've been taking more, cause I love LinkedIn. As a matter of fact, it's the only platform I I'm really on. I I've been using more and more of the voice messages because that makes us, makes it personal. It's really difficult, if not impossible to automate a personalized voice message. Because it'd be really weird if I said, hi, Lynn, uh, I just want to check in on you. That'd be really weird, right? So I think when you custom, when you personalize, you, I mean, I do it too. On my email newsletter, I can personalize and just say, insert first name. But when you're leaving a voicemail, I don't think you can really personalize that much. And when I send someone a voice message on LinkedIn or like an iMessage on the iPhone or something like that, people really appreciate it because it's a personal message. And and I encourage people to take the time. Don't go for the numbers, okay? Go for the personalization. Really, truly care. Because if you really, truly care and you say, hey, Lynn, uh, I, I just saw your post on XYZ and I, I just want to like, thank you for posting that. It really meant the word to me. Now it shows you, I personalize it. I reference a post. Now you're like, okay, he this is a real message. It's not automated. And But the thing, it doesn't take that much effort. But here's the thing. 99% of the people aren't doing that. They're using automation. They're using, hey, just checking in. And they're wondering why they're not getting results. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can tell when it's the robot. I mean, and to your point, I use LinkedIn messaging all the time too. And what's so few people use it. I mean, the voice recorder and, um, you know, I think, take a moment to think about what I'm going to say and you can talk faster, you know, you can type. (laughs) And, um, you know, I have used that for years to, I'll, actually like literally get on uh, i used go to meeting but we just literally get on my own go to meeting and i start talking Mm -hmm. because it creates an ai transcript that i can use before we had that you know i was using rev and (laughs) yes etc but and then i would get a lot of just talking it out all of a sudden i had my the content or the you know and i could just brainstorm just me and the (laughs) yes and the mic (laughs) yes I love your laugh. I love that you have a sense of humor because I don't do boring very well. So kudos to you for that. 
So let's talk about getting unstuck. We've been going through this zombie apocalypse now since March, and you know the sports are finally starting to come back. And you know we really want to return to some sort of normal life. And I've been saying in my podcast for a long time that we will get past this. Okay, I don't know when this is not going to wipe out the human race. Okay, we are going to get by it. They didn't think they thought the Spanish flu of 1918 was the end of the world. We all survived. Okay, so. But the thing is, is I, I see a lot of people getting stuck and they are like, they got furloughed due to no fault of their own. My wife was in the travel industry that shut down. So she's furloughed and you know, but, but people are like doing a couple of mistakes. Number one, they're staying stuck because they're watching news all the time. I have a saying, stay informed, not obsessed. So know what's going on, but maybe I watch the news four nights a week. There's a, I watch Bill O'Reilly on BillOReilly.com and I, I 30 minutes, I know what the news is and I don't watch any other news. I don't check. I left Twitter. I left Facebook. I don't want to know. I just want to know what's going on. So when it gets really dark and windy, I'm like, oh, is a hurricane here? No, I know it's coming. So stay informed, not obsessed. The other thing is people are using this as an opportunity, which is keeping them stuck. They're binge watching shows on Netflix or Hulu or Apple TV Plus or Amazon Prime Video or whatever's out there. And that's not going to get you unstuck. That's going to get you going the other way, I, I, I would suggest. So what do you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of different dynamics here. And first of all, we're, we're never going to go back to the way it was. We're going to have a new normal. This is a huge disruption that we're going through right now. And we will permanently have a different way of doing certain things as we move forward. You know, so one of the things that has happened is that businesses have been able to see that their team members can work remotely, successfully, and productively. So that's going to have a significant impact on our work moving forward. Um, I don't, you know, when you look at how much investment there is in running, you know, the operations costs for these buildings, and if there's a way that you can shift that and change that um, in a significant way, I think we're going to see that happening uh, long term. So that's one, po- and there, there's a, some positives about that. I mean, who doesn't want to give up the some kind of hellish commute that they may have? Mm, yeah. So, and it also enables people to work at jobs that they might not have considered previously because there is a greater physical distance because so few people had that opportunity to work remotely more than maybe once a week or once a month or in an emergency. So I think that is going to be a a long-term change for the better in many ways, but it's also required us to learn how to communicate differently and, you know, use tools that have been available that we haven't been using. So, you know, enough about <laughs> the disruption and how we can, um, you know, uh, gather the good because well, in every I just situation. I just want to inject right real quick here. I, I agree with you partially that this is the new normal, but what a lot of people are talking is like, okay, we're always going to be social distancing. We're always going to be wearing masks. No, we won't. Okay. Yeah. They thought that was going to happen in 1918. And then, you know, a couple years later, everything went by, they started hugging again and holding hands and not wearing masks. So we will, that's, I don't think that's the normal what you're talking about. You're talking yeah. about a lot of companies are realizing why am I paying for this ginormous building when people can work from home? Now, I will have a little asterisk there. There are some people, Lynn, and I know you agree with me, that shouldn't work remotely. They're not disciplined yeah. to work remotely. And I think the companies, as we go through 2020 and early 2021, they're going to start seeing, okay, 
I want to go remote. This person can't work remotely, so I'm going to let them go and replace them with someone who can because it does take a certain discipline. I've got a lot of clients I deal with who have who have employees at home and they're not doing their jobs because now they're not being monitored. And that's a disciplinary. That's not a productivity issue. That's a that's a discipline. That's an adulting issue. But not everybody can work from home. And so I think you're going to have more of a hybrid. You're going to have people that do go to an office. Let's face it. I you know you have oh, to yeah. go. You have to go to the doc. You have to go to the hospital to get surgery done. That's never going to go remotely. Okay. Let's let's hope not that that you get on your own bed and the surgeon brings a, a robot. I no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't. I don't want that. Let's not go there. But I think that's what you're talking about. The remote and working. I think it's going to be more of a balance instead of most people going to a corporate environment. Oh yeah, no, and I I think that for people who may maybe they aren't effective working remotely, um, they can transfer into positions where they're back inside. Some people yes. also need that socialization. Yes, and you know I, I started working in my corporate career um, when I moved into executive positions because I reported into. <laughs> states away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to admit that there's a transition that you go through and it's a learning process. You have to unlearn certain things and relearn others. Yep. And so, you know, you have to go through that. But to your point, I agree that that's not really, that's just one aspect. What I'm trying to say is that when we're looking at any situation, rather than focus on what we're giving up, you should be looking at what you're getting instead. Yes. Because no matter what the situation, there is an upside. Okay. So I'm going to go through for my personal darkest tunnel was when my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Now you can say there's no upside to that. All right. Um, But there was, there was because we were able to spend that time and really, um, uh, we made so all these incredible, precious memories. And, you know, the reality is that everyone dies, mm-hmm. um, but it's the journey. And we chose to embrace the journey in the time that he had left. And so, you know, that was instead of focusing on what we were losing, we focused on what we were getting instead. So, <clears throat> you know, so that's like a really hard thing. And obviously with this virus, Many people are being faced with that um, when they see their, and it's much more I mean, horrible mm-hmm. because they can't even say goodbye yes. necessarily to the people who've been ill um, and they don't have that same type of opportunity. It's also much more rapid. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, I don't want to equate it to the same thing mm-hmm. and certainly not going into that type of dark tunnel. But there are just general circumstances of how we've all had to make adjustments um, with our life. And, you know, so one of the things that I know that I did when we first started this in March, to your point, I was watching a lot of news. I mean, it was like the deer in the headlights, like OMG. Um, And then the New York Times put out uh, a pattern to make a, a mask. I've always liked crafts and things, and I have a bunch of fabric, and I went, I'm going to start making masks and just taking that step forward of breaking down a barrier that I could do something 
And now I'm not saying this changed the world, but it did have a positive impact, not only on me because I was constructively doing something, I was taking action, Mm -hmm. but it helped my family and friends. And then, um, I mean, first all my family members got masks, then my friends got masks. Then I started sending them to people I work with, you know, um, it was, it was truly, it's like, Wow. And then I started making masks that I donated. I ended up making like 500 masks. It was like this production line. And at the end, by the end, I was like tired of making masks, but it was, um, how many did you make overall? Do you think? Yeah. Pardon? How many did you make? all? all, all, Oh, I made about 500. Wow. Um, At the end, I ended up making my, my aunt, my, asked me to make Seahawk masks. You know, we're here in the Seattle area. I happened to have Seahawk fabric, which she knew because I'd made her a Seahawk (laughs) tote bag a few years before. And uh, because she is a huge Seahawk fan, she says, I want a Seahawk mask. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. And I thought, you know, what am I going to use this fabric for? So I just made like 36 is I think what I ended up with, uh, Seahawk masks. So that was like a um, nice. last uh, tap. Now I'm back to making masks for the holidays. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that that's. And, but pre- I had a break from it, so now I'm like all excited to do it and um, things like that. So you know, one of the things that you really have to look at when you're trying to get unstuck is, uh, you know, you if you've ever seen that movie. I mean, you have kids, you know that Chris Kingo movie, and, he, and they talk about you know you take one step yep. forward yep. and then another and soon you're walking out the door yep. santa claus well, is coming to town a- i loved that show when i was a kid oh my goodness i know so, yeah but that song is a number of the songs out of there have always stayed with yes. me um but that one in particular um hey there it's mark i just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website mrproductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more it all happens over at mrproductivity.com and that's the thing um when we're trying to get unstuck you know and maybe you want to you're here and you want to be um you know, all the way over there. Well, you're not, it's not like (laughs) beam me up, Scotty. That's not going to happen. But small incremental changes and shifts that you can make, pushing your boundaries, um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that's going to move you forward. And in a month, you're going to look back and go, oh, wow. Two months, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And the thing is, is and then maybe one day you don't do anything or you take a step back. That's normal. That's okay, you know. So one of the things is you really want to go through and identify what's that root cause or causes that are holding you back. Now these can be self-limiting beliefs. Um, they can be um, some form of fear. fear you know. Fear is a a big beast Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, really taking the time to invest in yourself for some introspection, whether, you know, you take a walk by yourself, um, you know, out in a nice trail, um, or you just, you, you, you zen out in your living room on a cushion, um, whatever, you know, floats your boat, you go and, um, you know, whatever it is. So however you do that. That's going to help you and just let your mind wander, but, you know, start posing some questions. Why do I feel this way? You know, what's really going on and, you know, and what are the things that I think 
I can't do this because like I have kids. I can't, I can't do this, this because I've got to take care of my kids. I got to make sure that they're getting all their online classes done. And so I don't have time for this. Well, you know, is that really the case or is it a time management case? What can you um, change so that you can uh, fit in this time to do something? Or maybe it's just that you're just uncomfortable with trying something new. Mm. And because you'll fail. I mean, a lot of people have fear of failure or fear, fear of that unknown. Well, this, <laughs> you know, we all, the babies, they learn how to roll over. They learn how to get up on their knees. They learn how to stand up and cruise and they fall mm-hmm. and they get back up. So you have to remember that we're going to make mistakes. We're, some of my, in my past have been so cringeworthy, um, but, you know, we're going to get back up. You know, we're going to need to tap into your inner resilience so you can say, I can get back up. I can recover from this make, mistake. If, if it's egregious, you can still say, I'm so sorry. Genuinely, I'm so sorry this happened to whomever it impacted, you know? And, you know, honestly, most people are going to be forgiving and they're going to allow you and enable you to get past that. So, you know, go through that fear um, sequence. A, a great way that I find to do this is also if there's a certain situation that you're facing, Um, So in the case of COVID, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And what's likely to happen? And when you go through that scenario, that actually helps dispel the fear. And when you look at what's the worst case scenario, really dig into how would you respond to that? Not react, but respond. What are some constructive things that you could do to make it better if the worst case scenario happened? You know, I mean, for me, I sort of I lived through the worst case scenario for me with when my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And so, you know, it's that's where you tap into that resilience and you tap into your ability to be flexible and to adapt. So all of us have that within us. It's just a matter of tapping into it. So another way to do that is once you've gone through this process of introspection, um, Another way you can do this as well, besides identifying what's holding you back and how, you know, fear may motivate you is to reframe your flaws. So this is a common thing. People say, well, I can't do this because, you know, I'm, I I can't, to your point earlier, I can't self-discipline my time. I procrastinate. I find all these other things to do, but how can you reframe that flaw? So sometimes procrastination when it can be a way that you are giving your time yourself time to think about what it is you should be doing, but letting your mind flow creatively. So, you know, I mean, is that a way to reframe that flaw? And then how can you um, work with that so that you can uh, tap into what's really a strength so that then you can address what you consider your flaw. Let so me let me jump in here uh, a couple things because you went there for a while. <laughs> and I want to go back on a couple things. First of all, um, you know, you talk about one step in front of the other. Um, the the analogy I like to use a lot is if you want to summit Mount Everest, uh, you can't decide. I mean, this this uh, today is Wednesday. Let's say you know what I'm going to summit Mount Everest this weekend. You can't. 
You can't because, first of all, there's only certain times of the year you can go. Second of all, you have to figure out, I have no idea how to summit Mount Everest. I mean, you don't just walk up a hill. I mean, it's a, it's a huge mountain. And so you have to take one step. And your first step may be Googling, how do you summit Mount Everest? And you start reading the articles and you start connecting with people who have done it before. I'm actually going to have a guest on my show in the near, near future who actually summited Mount Everest. I'm going to be fascinated about that conversation. But you take one step. If you want to become president of the United States, we're based in America here. Uh, we're, this is September, what, September 16th? You know, you can't be president tomorrow. You can't because you can't even be on the ballot in November because it's too late. So now you have to look forward to 2024. So there are steps in the process. So that's one thing I want to keep in mind. The other thing you talked about is the worst case scenario. Everyone credits um, Tim Ferriss for talking about the worst case scenario. But I actually read it in Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. He says, you imagine the absolute worst possible scenario you can and you just embrace it. You just imagine what's totally what can go wrong. And then you realize, hey, there's a 99% chance it's never going to happen. So he's the one that's credited with coming up with that to begin with, because let's face it, most things we worry about and the, the, the percentage is very, you know, the percentage vary, but a high percentage of people who worry about stuff, that stuff is never going to happen in a year, 10 years, 50 years, 20 years. We, we all sit there and go, this is really going to happen. Really? How often does the worst thing ever happen? Very rarely. I get in a plane. I've never been on a plane that crashed ever. And yet people get down there and they're paranoid. I'm not saying their, their, their fear is unwarranted. There are people who are deathly scared to fly. I hate needles. So to get blood out of me is, let me tell you, it takes my wife on the one hand and the, the, the phlebotomist on the other hand. I don't like it, but there are, I, I'm scared of needles, but I can speak in front of 5,000 people. There are people who say, take blood on me all day long. I'm not speaking in front of two people. So we all have our thing. But my point is, is the worst thing very rarely, very rarely ever happens. So what say you on those, what I had to say? No, I, you know, first of all, Dale Carnegie is, his books are so wonderful, such incredible wisdom. And um, I have embraced that my entire life. I actually went to a Dale Carnegie sales training um, course or, you know, it was live and in-person program um, wow. way back. Not, not with Dale. I was going to say. <laughs> uh, not with Dale. I actually hated the training program. I hated it, but I loved his book and I embraced that philosophy um, early in my career. And I, you know, and I've, it's just, it, it just really was a good fit. So a love that great uh, thing there. And you're right. It, you know, so even if the, this worst case thing happens, you know, how can you mitigate it that can help your address your fear? Mm-hmm. So let's say to your point, you know, you're you're terrified of an earthquake. You know, well, where do you live? You know, what are you doing? So that if you guys, if you do go through, I live in this greater Seattle area. We ought, can have, you know, a huge earthquake here. And I went to graduate school in California. So I was pretty used to having my coffee stirred, you know, with a little tumbler. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not afraid of earthquakes, but because of that, that 
I, that sort of living with the earthquakes more actively, when I came back, one of the things I did is I got earthquake insurance. I've always carried it because it's a way that, well, yeah, because like, what's the worst can happen? You know, you lose all your possessions. I've never really thought I was going to die, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you lose all your possessions. Everything's destroyed. You know, well, it's like, oh, I can get earthquake insurance. Yeah, there was a $10,000 deductible, but, you know. That's going to mitigate that idea of fear that I would um, lose everything I'd spent my life, you know, building or creating, you know, in, in the sense of like value of my home and of my possessions. So that's like one very small um, idea. But there are ways that when you really look at that fear, uh, that you can identify some things that you could do to mitigate a worst case scenario. Yes. All right. And so, and to your point, the, the odds of it happen. that's why you go through the worst case, the best thing, and then what's likely to happen, you know, because yes. let's do a reality check here, people, you know, um, what's likely to happen. You and know what I so found the that, most interesting thing about the Dale Carnegie books, it, because they were written back in the 40s, I believe. He will say, you know, I had a client, Lynn Whitbeck, and she lived at 123 Main Street, Manhattan. They would never do that. They would never put someone's address in the book. But I remember when I first read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, he was putting their address in there. I'm like, this is crazy. We would never do that in 2020. But that back then... People wouldn't go to that person's house and knock on the door. Hey, I read your read about you in the book. I just thought that was so fascinating how we've changed from the 1940s to 2020. Can you imagine that? Yeah, if we well, wrote books I, like that now. I don't think people would give your addresses 20 years ago. Alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we certainly, uh, you know, and uh, so that's the other thing is that the change is constant. That's yes. the one thing that we have to recognize that change is constant. And that's one area where people get stuck a lot. They don't want things to change. And and once again, I think that there's a certain amount of comfort and fear that really play a a role there. And you have to um, be willing to be uncomfortable uh, to some extent, you know, to, to, to change. I agree. Well, so. this has been a great conversation with you, and I, I wanted to pique people's interest to find out more about you. So I think you did a good job of that. We talked a lot, a whole, whole lot of stuff. And if someone didn't get something out of this episode, um, go listen to it again because you gave us a lot of gold <laughs> to think about. So, Lynn, if we wanted to know more about you, where would we go? <laughs> well, you can go to Petite Two the digit to queen.com. Um, I, uh, our links to our social media is there. You can go to my about page. You can get my LinkedIn um, connection right there. <laughs> so, um, and that's a great way to find out more about what we do and what we, uh, uh, and, and about us and my, me and connect with me. Uh, and if you're interested in our B2B sales program, you know, please go ahead and reach out and uh, we'll, we'll start a conversation on how we can get you unstuck. Uh. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you being on the show and give us the, you know, some insights that you had about getting unstuck because there's a lot of people who are stuck right now and you don't have to be, you can choose not to be uh, stuck and you gave us a lot to think about. And what I always tell my listeners, Hey, listen, 
you don't have to do everything she talked about. Just pick what resonated. What did Lynn say that resonated with you? Take that one thing, go do it, and then reach out to Lynn and say, hey, listen, I heard you on Mark's show. Uh, I did the one thing you said, and I got unstuck. I'm sure, Lynn, you'd be delighted to hear that. Yeah. And I'm going to end, too, with one thing. And this has been such a great conversation. I so appreciate the opportunity. But we all have the power to choose, mm-hmm. okay? And that includes choosing to make a new choice. All right. And so, you know, I don't want people to, they need to remember that just because you've made a decision in the past, it doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity to change your mind. Yes. All right. Because I mean, in business, I see that especially that, you know, people have gone with a certain vendor or program or solution or tools. And once again, everything changes. And you're presented with new facts and figures, really savvy business people shift, mm-hmm. you know, and they make a new choice and they make a new decision. And so the same thing with people, we are constantly getting new information and we're also evolving our own thought process. And I want everyone to remember that you have that power, you know, the power to choose. I love that. That's a great way to end this conversation. Lynn, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate it as well, Mark. Thank you. And just before we wrap up, don't forget to register for my October 16th training, The Power and How of Routines. You could register by clicking the link in the show notes or by clicking the banner at my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.